Good morning. Happy Independence Day weekend. Um, the first service was about normal for us here, and I appreciate all of you taking time out of your uh, busy family weekend for so many to be with us this morning. Um, it's good to be in God's house with you guys today. I am uh, a fairly significant history channel buff at my house. I love this this and other times of the year where the history channel puts on special stuff about the the founding of our of our country and for the last couple of days they've been doing um, their series on the Patriots it's about 10 years old now but the story's a couple hundred so it doesn't change a whole lot um, but the Patriots talking about about John Adams and Samuel Adams and a lot of other people named Adams and George Washington and all these guys that were the, the founders of our country, these guys that spent so much time and so much energy and put so much thought into uh, putting together the founding documents that make us as a nation who we are today. And as I, I watched that um, and, and thought about this, the series that we are working our way through in Hebrews chapter 11, we're not talking about, about patriots necessarily, but we're talking about patriarchs. The patriots were the ones that, that helped us put together our nation and helped us remove ourselves from England and all the rest. But the patriarchs of the Bible are the, truly the fathers of our faith, the fathers of the nation of Israel, the fathers of the things that God uh, had in store for us as people. And probably the greatest patriarch of them all is the subject of our uh, sermon this morning. Hebrews chapter 11 uh, commends 16 different individuals and then some groups of people as well for their faithfulness. And today we're going to talk about two of those folks. We're going to talk about Abraham and his wife Sarah. Herbert Lockyer, the, the Bible theologian, says this. says, Abraham's place in, Bible, in Bible's portrait gallery is altogether unique and unapproachable. He stands out as a landmark in the spiritual history of the world. Abraham, called by God in uh, the book of Genesis to be the father of his chosen people, is mentioned 287 times in Scripture. His name appears in 27 of the 66 books of the Bible. Through his son Isaac come the people that we know as the Jews. Through his son Ishmael come the Muslim folks. And it says in uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, it says this, If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. The, the three major religions of the world tie themselves in some way back to this man, Abraham. Abraham must be some special kind of guy if we get that kind of press, if you show up in that much of the Bible. I've been doing a study um, with some guys through the book of John for the last uh, number of months, and, and whenever the, the Pharisees of Jesus' day talk to Jesus, they always claim that they are the sons of Abraham. They tie themselves to Abraham very closely. But Lockyer goes on to say this about Abraham. He says, Abraham in and of himself... There was not much of him to make him worthy of such distinction as the Bible gives him. His choice by God 
was one purely of grace. Abraham has been the patriarch of the people that follow God. But Abraham himself was not necessarily that great a character. As we look at the people listed in Hebrews 11, we need to remember this, that in and of themselves, these people that are listed here are not so special. If you go back and you read Genesis chapter 12 or Genesis chapter 20, what you will find out is that that Abraham was pretty much a habitual liar. Abraham concocted this story because apparently his wife, uh, he thought, was was so beautiful that other men would try and take her away from him and, and try and kill him in the process. And so he told them to told his wife that whenever they entered into a new place, that he, she was to say that she was his sister and not his wife. Sarah, who is commended in our story this morning as well, she had her own issues. Sarah was, in fact, pretty skeptical about God's plan in her old age to give her a son and that that son was going to produce the offspring as numerous as the sands uh, on the seashore and the stars in the heavens. It says that when she hears God's plan and looks at herself and looks at Abraham, she kind of laughs at their old age and how that's going to happen. But she does go along with Abraham's plan about this whole wife-sister thing. And and she's a little skeptical about God's plan. But in that, we find this morning in our our passage of Scripture that despite their flaws, despite the fact that they're skeptical and that they have a hard time with the truth sometimes, that God still uses them. And the difference in being just a a washout of a person because of our own personal flaws and being someone that's listed in God's hall of, uh, of great patriarchs in the New Testament is this word faith. And that God says that these two showed themselves to be faithful or had great faith. What is faith? Again, we're going to go back Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2 we've seen for the last couple of weeks. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. And and as I think about that, these two people that are commended here this morning, despite their flaws, despite the fact that they're just in some ways really ordinary people, at some point in times in their lives, display great faith in God. And I think as all of us sitting here, um, you know, some of us more flawed than others perhaps, the thing that can separate us is also this great faith that we can have in God. But, but faith is not really, or faith's results are really not based on the size of our faith, but rather they're based on the object of our faith. How big is our God? Jesus said that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, we can tell a mountain to move or we can tell a tree to cast itself into the ocean and they'll do that. It's not because our faith is so great, but because our God is so great. But I think a lot of times we go through life and our, and our faith is not so big because we're bad rememberers and we're not listening to what God has in store for us. We live in Houston area and it's really warm in case you didn't notice. But there are some parts of the world um, where they do something, it's called ice fishing. Got a fisherman's story, so I got Trey's attention. And ice fishing, something that that fascinates me about ice fishing, first of all, you use a rod that's about this long, okay, real short, and and how the fish know where you've drilled that hole in the ice, I'm still not real clear on, but somehow, guys that know how to do this catch fish. 
But here's the fascinating point to me in this whole thing that relates to us a little bit this morning. If you're going ice fishing, what are your expectations? Because you're going to drill a hole in the ice. How big a hole do you know how to drill? Because if you drill a hole in the ice that's this big and you catch a fish that's this big, you got a problem. And I think sometimes that that's how we go through life and, and we... In our relationship with God, we drill holes for God to work in, and those holes are not so big. And God says, have faith in me. Let's drill a whale-sized hole in the ice, because I'm going to provide for you. But I think God only works in us as much as we have faith in him to be of such a size that he can really do the impossible. Faith's results are not based on the size of our faith, but on the size of the object of our faith. How big is our God? And, and what is our relationship with God? And, and it's based on our willingness and ability for him to use us. And it's not based on how special we are, but on how great he is. Let's read this morning's passage. Last week, Evan had one verse. And uh, this week, I get uh, whatever that is, 12. And the biggest problem for me this week was taking the story of Abraham and getting it down to a usable size for us this morning. So let's let's look at this. We're going to pick out a couple pieces from the life of Abraham to look at this morning. But we're going to do it out of the book of Hebrews this morning. So Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 18. If you'll read along with me in your Bible, or it will be up on the screen behind me here this morning. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise and in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, one man and him good as dead was born descendants as many as the stars of the heavens and as many as the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had, not, if they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had, been, uh, who had received the promises, was an act of offering up, to his, uh, up his only son, and whom it was uh, said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, for which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So, a lot to the story of Abraham. And most of you know that Abraham was called out from from the place where he grew up, the Ur of the Chaldees. And you know that Abraham and and his wife Sarah were unable to have children until they were very, very old. And then when they did have children, that God called on Abraham to uh, sacrifice his only son, Isaac, and then provided a way out for Isaac from that situation. But I want to look 
this morning at a couple points from this story concerning Abraham's faith. Again, verse 8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. This story appears in Genesis chapter 12. So look with me, if you will, real quick to Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. It says this, And the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In this story of Abraham, and in this, this passage, it says that God calls Abraham to do something that is simple but very difficult. He says, all I want you to do, Abraham, is to go. I'm going to tell you what to do. Just go and just be willing and faithful to go. But that's hard. You know, for all of us, I think it's, it's difficult because we are not good at just going blindly into anything. I think all of us want to know the destination ahead of time. We want to know what's next in line. We want to plan things out. We want to have some kind of control in this whole thing. And God said to Abraham, Abraham, this is a chance for you to show me your faith. I want you just to go. You know, anybody who's ever ridden in a a car with kids, they always want to know, how much farther is it? Are we almost there yet? You know, what's next? What's next? That's, That's... natural for us. It's natural for us to want to know what's coming and to want to know the plan. There's a family in our church a number of years ago and they they were planning a vacation. I said, where are you guys going? They said, I don't know. We're just going to get in the car. We're just going to drive and we'll know when we get there. And I'm looking out at all of you and a number of you are going, what? That doesn't, that's not how this works. You know, you plan way ahead of time. You plan where you're going to go. You plan what you're going to do along the way. You know, if you're like me, you even plan what restaurants you're going to stop at on the trip and all kinds of things like that. You have it all planned out. You know what you're going to do because that's just good sense. But when God comes to Abraham, he says, Abraham, we're taking a trip, you and me. I got the plan. I'm not going to tell you. Just go. I think the reason that that's so difficult for us is that many of us have, have a fear of the unknown. And, and, and we hate what we don't know. And we want to know what's next so that we can be prepared. And although that's very natural, that's not what God calls on us to do. God calls on us to be dependent on him and not so much on ourselves and our own abilities. And God counts, uh, calls us to not fear but to just go and let him be in the lead. And it's very unnatural. But God says that, or the book of Hebrews says that it was commended to Abraham when he had that kind of faith. When that's what God asked him to do and he said that he would go. When you think about people in the Bible, a lot of them were just subsistence folks. So when when, when Jesus counts or calls many of the disciples. They, they weren't necessarily giving up a ton to follow him. But when, when God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to follow me. I want you to go where I tell you to go. Abraham was a wealthy man. 
Abraham lived in the land of his father and his grandfather and lived in the place where they had been important people. Abraham had lots of stuff. Abraham was a guy that was a pillar in his community. And when God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to go, this is a big deal. This is not someone who just, you know, packed up his Volkswagen bug and had room for more stuff in there as he left. Abraham had a bunch of stuff. Genesis chapter 13 says this, beginning at verse 2, it says, Now Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And Lot, who went with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support the both of them dwelling together. And their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. See, Abraham, when he left, didn't just pack a suitcase and go. Abraham, when he left, packed a village that went. Abraham had servants and flocks and sheep and herds and herdsmen and shepherds and whatever else kind of keepers of critters that were out there and stuff. So this was a big deal for Abraham, to just go. And think about this. It's one thing if you're like me and I have four kids, and if, if our family, it's hard enough for us to plan for six of us to do anything with my wife and I and our four kids. Can, can you imagine if you had sheep and goats and cattle and all these other things to keep track of too, how big a deal this is and how much more faith it takes to just say we're just going to go and we don't even know where. But that's what God called him to do. And that's what I think God calls us to do too. God calls us to stop worrying about our plans and start worrying about his plan. God calls on us to be disciples and disciple makers. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, says this uh, on faithful obedience. He says, the only thing that is required to be obedient and faithful is to rely on God's word and to cling to it as offering greater security than all the securities of this world. He says, let me repeat that because I sort of messed it up the first time. Rely on God's word, cling to it as offering greater security than all the securities of this world. Abraham was a wealthy man. Abraham had a bunch. Abraham was a leader in his community, but yet God said to go, and Abraham's faith was great enough to count more on the security that God offered than the security that he already had obtained in this world. He was faithful to go. He was faithful to leave much behind. He was faithful to follow. And he was faithful to trust God for the destination. You know, we have a lot of people that have gone this this summer already. At the end of the service, John's going to share a little bit about who's here, who's back, who's going, all these kind of things. We have a team that's back from Papua New Guinea. We have a team that's back from Honduras. We have a team that's in Honduras. We have Sean and Abby Suit getting ready to head to Africa. We have a bunch of folks that are here this morning uh, who were at Camp Blessing last week. Working, if you're not familiar with Camp Blessing, it's working with uh, kids with special needs uh, so that they could have the camp experience and so that their families can have some, some relief, many of which are full-time caretakers for their kids. And those are all things that are out of the ordinary for us. 
Um, you know, to go to a, a place where they don't speak the same language that we do, to go to a place that, that the people don't look and act like us, and uh, go to a place where people have different needs than we have in our own families. It's, it's a difficult thing. But you know what? In some cases, it's an easier thing than what God calls us to. See, God has called each one of us to go, just like he called Abraham. But he may not want to take us to a foreign land. He may want us just to go across the lawn to our neighbor. He may want us to go to the next cubicle in our office building. He may want us to go to, uh, you know, someone else that, that he has placed into our lives. Go does not necessarily mean to a different continent. Go does not necessarily mean another language. But God calls each of us to go. That's the great commission that Jesus left his disciples with. Go and make disciples. That's what God calls on us to do. And just as Abraham was commended for his faithfulness, we should be commended for our faithfulness in that area as well. About 30 years ago, God called me into full-time ministry. And at that point in time, I can remember, it, I remember exactly where I was when I, I felt that that's what God had in mind for me and my family. And I, I can remember who I was with and even the chair I was sitting in. And I remember the prayer that I prayed. And I said, God, I really think this is what you have for me. And I'd gotten great encouragement from other people in this regard. And we'd all spent some time together talking and praying. I said, God, I know this is what, what you have in mind for me. And, and I'm willing to do whatever. But please don't send me someplace where I don't speak the language. God, please just, you know, Africa, Spanish, any, you know, I just, I'm so bad at that, God. Don't send me someplace. I'll go, but please be careful where you send me. You know, I'm going to like mark off a bunch on the map that's not in my really go zone. You know. And and it was some years later that that I really wrestled with that and came to speak to God again and say, God, I'm willing to go anywhere. And God has not called me to one of those places yet. But I'm willing. See, and in some ways, it will be easy. In some ways, it's easy to go to a place, especially for a week or ten days or two weeks or a month or even a couple years, that, that you're going to go in and you're going to be God's representative and you're going to be that person that comes and shares God's love with people and you're going to share the gospel and you're going to do all those things that you know God wants you to do because you also know that you're going to walk away. And I think for most of us sitting in this room, if we're really honest, it would be much easier for us to go to Africa for a week than to spend a week with a friend or a neighbor or a family member who we know doesn't know Jesus. And to put as much time and energy and prayer and resources into reaching them with the gospel of Jesus Christ as we would going to a foreign land. Looking at some faces out there, I think that one hit a nerve with some folks. Doesn't make you unusual. Makes you pretty normal in this day and age, as a matter of fact. But God calls us to do that. Just as he called Abraham to go, he calls on us to go and make disciples of the people that he has placed around us. And maybe that's going to be further out as well. But for right now, every one of us has a chance to go today, tomorrow, in this coming week.
Let's get back to our passage for a minute here. In verse, begin up, pick up again at verse 9. It says this. By faith, Abraham went to live in the land of promise, as, a foreign la- as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. See, God calls Abraham out of his comfort zone. God calls Abraham to leave the familiar. God calls Abraham to take the things that he has and hold them with an open hand so that God can take whatever he wants from Abraham and use what he has already given Abraham for his use and not just Abraham's. And Abraham trusted God with his future. And that's why he is commended here in Hebrews chapter 11. Faith's results are not based on the size of our faith, but on the object of our faith and how big he is. Abraham didn't know his destination, but he faithfully went. God calls each of us to go, and we know our destination. If we are believers, we have something in store that Abraham didn't have, and that is we know that as believers, we have eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven, with God assured. And if we know that, we also know this, that our time here on earth is but a blink of an eye. It's a flash of light. It's just, it's nothing in comparison to the time of eternity that we're going to get to spend with God. And if I said to you, I want you to give up the rest of your life to do something that you're going to find uncomfortable. I want you to, to go and be out of your comfort zone for the rest of your life. That seems hard. It seems like a lot. But also, in God's economy, it's nothing. It's a short little piece. And wouldn't you like to be commended by God as Abraham was, as Sarah was? Because they were willing to go. And they didn't even know all that we know of heaven. They didn't know all of God's future plan as we know as believers. Shouldn't we be even more ready to go? Sarah gets commended along with Abraham. Look at verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of the heavens and as many as the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. When God comes to Abraham and Sarah and says, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Abraham, you are going to be the great patriarch of people. Um, All these people are going to be blessed, the rest of mankind. And Sarah, you are going to be a part of this plan too. You are going to be the one that conceives and gives birth to Isaac. You are going to be that one. Sarah says, "Mm, I'm looking at the situation here, God, and I'm not sure this is going to work because they're both very old. And Sarah comes up with her own plan. And she gives Abraham her servant girl, and that is where Abraham's son Ishmael comes. But Ishmael is not God's plan for his chosen people. Isaac is. Isaac, son of Abraham, and Sarah is God's plan. See, Sarah gets a little off track by trying to make her own plan, but then God still fulfills his plan through her. Because Sarah did not necessarily believe when God said, you are going to conceive and bear a son, 
that God was going to do what to her was impossible. And I think a good bit of faith is coming to the understanding that for us, we have a finite set of skills and we have a a small window of things that we can do in and of ourselves. But when we understand that nothing is impossible with God, then that's when God can truly work. And that's what Sarah came to. And God used that mightily in her life. Skip down with with me, if you would, to verse 17. Verse 17 says this, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who uh, had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. But Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did, receiving him back. If you know the story, God tells Abraham, I want you to take your your son Isaac, Abraham, and I want you to take him up on the side of the mountain, and and I want you to sacrifice him as, as an offering to me. And Abraham's already really old, and he's finally had this, this, this son that he's wanted for, for decades and decades. And Sarah is excited about having this son. And, and the Bible says that, that Abraham made a backpack and put firewood in it and kindling and, and all the things that would be needed to sacrifice an animal. And he put it on Isaac's own back, and Isaac carried it up the side of the mountain. But at the last moment, with Isaac laying on the altar, God provides a ram whose horns are stuck in a bush nearby and, and provides the sacrifice in Isaac's place. But the Bible says that Abraham was tested to offer up Isaac and he had faith that God would do the impossible. How does that happen? Well, I think it happens in the, in, because of what God had already done in their lives. When God comes to Abraham and Sarah and says, I'm going to give you a son, and they look at themselves and laugh and say, we are really old, this ain't happening. And then a son emerges in Isaac. Nothing at that point is impossible. And I think that when that happens, God is able to tell Abraham anything else in his life, and Abraham is mostly willing to follow. And, and I see, I think that's something that we need to do as believers as well, is to understand that God has been working in our lives for quite some time. And, and one of our biggest problems as is, is 21st century Americans is we're, we're terrible rememberers of what God has already done for us. And if we really look back and, and remembered the ways that God has intervened in our lives so far, some of us in miraculous ways, being cured of illnesses, having you know relationships with, with people restored, all kinds of things. From a human aspect, it's, it's sometimes easy to see. Some of us don't have great stories. For some of us, our lives have been great. But I do know this, that the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were sinners, God provided that sacrificial uh, animal in our place, and that was the, the person of Jesus Christ. So knowing that God did not spare his own son means that God will continue to do impossible things in our lives and he's not going to just let us hang out there and not achieve what he wants us to do. We can count on God, so therefore we can faithfully obey when God asks us to do things. 
But verse 13 says this, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. See, another problem we have is that we want things to happen now. When God says to us, I want you to go, we say, okay, I'm good for the next, you know, three hours, I got time. And and this passage says that, that most of what Abraham has seen as far as God fulfilling his promises to him, as far as God being faithful to him, he's seen after his death. He's looked down from heaven and got to see this. We don't work on the same time frame that God does. And, and just because things don't seem to be working exactly how we think they should work, and in our grand scheme of things, does not mean that God's not at work. I cannot wait to see the people in heaven who have been blessed and who have been led to a relationship with Jesus Christ by someone, and that person that said the right thing, did the right thing, loved them the right way, had no idea when they were doing it. That, that they'll see it in the future, they'll see it in heaven and say, wow, God used that situation. God used those feeble words. God used that to change someone's life. I think that's going to be absolutely amazing. But it leads me to a couple questions. Are we willing to have faith in God's timing or does everything have to work in something that we understand in a time frame we understand? Can we be willing to say that I'm following Jesus and that's okay if it makes me a stranger and an exile in this world? I have a good friend who was a missionary and he he got me with this all the time. He'd come up and John would say, so Bear, how's it going? I'd say, it's going great, John. He'd say, oh, that's too bad because the Bible says if you're doing it right, everybody would hate you. You know, the world would turn against you and, you know. Hated that man for that. But he's right. Are we willing to be strangers and exiles in this world? Are we willing to say that it's not just all about me, but it's about me being useful to God? Can we live without looking back and without second-guessing? See, when Abraham left, he left. He packed up all his stuff. He didn't say, Sarah, you and me and the boy, we're going to go and we're going to take this trip that God has for us. It's amazing if you read back into the book of Genesis what Abraham and Lot, his nephew, took with. Um, And it says they got so much stuff that they couldn't find a place where the land would hold them and support them. That's how much people and animals and stuff they had with them. It wasn't that Abraham just took his wife and they went on this little trip. They sold out 100% and went. And I think that's what God calls on us to do too, is sell out 100% and go and really not look back. Verse 14 says this, For people who ask thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they have been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them a city. God has a destination in mind for each one of us. And that should be our homeland, not necessarily where we were born. And we don't need and shouldn't look back. 
but we should be living as strangers and aliens in this world, knowing that the same God that has been faithful in the past will be faithful in the future. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 says this, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it uh, my own, but one thing I do know, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus says, go. Are you willing? Jesus can do the impossible. Do we really believe that? Satan comes in and Satan says, you know, remember who you really are and all the things that you've done. You know, you may want to look back on this because something's going to come back and bite you. Can you forget all that? Can you call Satan a liar? And can you press on and go where God wants you to go? The real question this morning is how big is the God of our faith? And if the God of our faith is just something that we can wrap our heads around and wrap our minds around, then we're not seeing him in the way he really exists. The God that Abraham put his faith in could do the impossible and was worth following, and was worth following without knowing all the details along the way. And that's what God calls on us to do today, is to put our faith in him, to realize that the same God that led Abraham to the place that he wanted him to go is the same God that has a plan for each one of us. And it may be Africa, it may be Australia, it may be across the lawn. But God's plan is good. God's destination is in his plan. And God can do the impossible. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for the story of Abraham and of Sarah. For their willingness, Lord, to follow you. Their willingness to believe in the impossible, Lord. Their willingness, Lord, to be faithful in following and to not look back, but to press on towards the high calling that you called them to, Lord. Father God, I just thank you that you don't use special people, but to use ordinary people in a special way. Help us, Lord, each one this morning to realize that you have something in store for each of us if we will go. Help us, Lord, not to worry about what other people are going to think, but understand, Lord, that you call us to be strangers and aliens and foreigners, even in the land where we are, in our own neighborhood, Lord, on our own job in our own family sometimes. Lord God, I pray that this morning you would challenge us to follow you without worrying about the consequences, to be lock, stock, and barrel in with you as Abraham was with all of his family. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.